Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. What are you excited about? <laughs> Hearing the word. Well, today's message is, uh, I think, the final message of this series that I started six weeks ago. So, I think this is the last one. Why the church? Now, today's subtitle would be, God had a plan. How many know that? God had a plan. From the beginning of time, God had a plan for you and for me, for his church, all of us are a part of that enormous plan. Let me ask you this. How many believe that God loves you? All right. Many of your hands are going up, but there are some of you that didn't raise your hand, and, and I don't know if you haven't had enough coffee yet. You just didn't have the energy to go. Or maybe you don't realize that he really does love you. And I'm not talking about when sometimes I'll see one of the brothers in the church, and we say, hey, bro, love you, man. And I mean that, but that's not the kind of love I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the God kind of love, the agape kind of love. God's love takes shape right before our eyes as we recognize the huge investment that he made in us, in all of man. God loves you more than you and I could ever imagine. I hope you know that. And today I want to talk about his love and how his love should challenge us to be reciprocal. That means literally to give back as it was given to us. So if God has given you his love, what do you need to do? Give it back. Would you stand with me one more time as we pray and ask the Lord just to join us here today? Lord, this is your church. I'm just... One of the guys, part of this flock, and Lord, I might have the title of pastor, but I'm nobody special. Every person in this room is destined to glory. Lord, they're destined to do great things for the kingdom, and there's nothing you can't do through us if we'll allow you to do that. Today, I pray just a spark of energy within each one, Lord. Even if this man doesn't say it, that you would speak into the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl in this room, and even those that listen on the podcast, Lord, that you would move mightily in this church, reveal your love to us, and then, Lord, I pray that that, that love would influence us, would infiltrate the darkest of hearts, would fill us to capacity and begin to flow out into the lives of others, Lord, around us. That's our prayer today. That's my prayer for this church. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you agree, would you say a hearty amen? Amen. amen. Now, before you sit down, shake somebody's paw and say, I am so glad you are here. How many are ready for the warmer weather? Yes. I think it's been toying with us lately. A little bit of warmth. 18 below, a little bit of warmth. Hopefully that's going to stay one of these times. I'm ready for that ice to leave. My boat's calling my name. 
I was a little disappointed that Anna wasn't here today with her, with her baby so I could see if she cried. If you weren't here last week, that won't make any sense to you. Well, you might have seen this paper on the wall over here, and at the end of today's service, it'll make more sense, but I concluded last week's message with the idea that I wanted you to spend the week with the Lord and ask Him to influence you and to decide, am I all in on this thing? Am I willing to give all that He's given me? Am I willing to give it back to Him and say, use me? Whatever it takes, Lord, help me. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. So at the end of today's message, you're going to be given that opportunity, and I'm going to actually have you sign that wall. Not the wall, the paper. Let me make that clear. The paper on the wall, because I don't want to have to go back over that. Those are real markers. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is trying to impress on us the urgency of the hour. How many would agree that it can't get a whole lot worse with, without the tribulation being upon us? I mean, honestly, it's, it's bad. But God, from the beginning, had a plan. It didn't take him by surprise. And he's always given us hope. Always. So we're not left out in the dark. We're not standing here going, Oh, God. I don't know if I can make it. Uh-uh. We can make it because he's given us our strength. We're already, our names are already, if you've accepted Jesus, your names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The worst thing that could happen to you is that one minute somebody's chopping your head off and the next you're in glory. Oh, please, please. No, don't, don't take my head off, please. You think those people really feel that? I'm talking about the stuff going on around the globe. Christians giving their lives as martyrs. It happens every day. But I promise you, I promise you, God's glory is all over those people in that moment. And he's standing there as soon as they're, they're, it's done. He's picking them up and saying, come on. Come on with me. So please, please, don't kill me. No. So I can be with Jesus. As I just said recently, God's love was thought out from the very beginning of time. And I say this often, but nothing ever takes him by surprise. Your life does not take him by surprise. How you behave or misbehave does not take him by surprise. Amen? You know that, right? Because God knows all. He had a plan for everything that you and I would ever face in this life. And all through history, he's had that plan. In fact, that's why it's called his story. It is. It's God's story. It's not ours. We think, oh, it's all about men. No, it's not. See, here's the thing. When you come to Christ that first time, when you become born again, then it's all about you for that moment. But the second that you say yes to Jesus and you partner with him, you join God's family. At that moment, it all becomes about him. Or at least it should. And that's kind of the vein that this uh, message is going to take today. His story is all about his love. 
It's about His people. It's about His redemption that came through who? Jesus Christ. That's right. I love how the Apostle Paul put this, and I'm going to share from Ephesians 3, 6, and then verse 10 and 11. Put that up behind me. This is the New Living Testament. And this is what Paul said to the church. He said, this is God's plan. Whose? All right, so can we count on this? Yes, it's God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the what? Share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. How many of you are rich? You should be. You should all be raising your hands. How many of you are rich? Listen, if, if you're not living your life by faith, then you're not living. And the Bible says that when you become born again, you are grafted into the vine, you become one of God's children, and the riches of God are yours. But so often, we, we neglect this and we think, oh, God intended me to be poor. Yeah, that's going to bring him glory. Right? And I'm not saying you need to be a millionaire. And I'm, I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking about everything that we face in our lives, the, the total prosperity of you. It's all his anyway, and he wants to share it with you. But you've got to get that in your spirit and realize that. He goes on and he says, both are a part of the same body, meaning the, the Gentile and the Jew. What's a Gentile, by the way? A non-Jew, okay? Jew and Gentile, non-Jew. All right. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. When people tell you, oh man, all roads lead to heaven. Lies. Heresy. Not according to the Bible that I read. And the beauty is, God shares his riches with all of us. Verse 10. God's purpose in all of this was to what? Say that one more time. Use the church to do what? Display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. He wants to parade you and me, the church, before all of these authorities. And I'm talking in the spirit realm so that they can see they didn't win. You see, Satan thought he won when he saw Christ go into that grave. He thought it was all over, but was it? What happened three days later? That stone rolled away, and he was alive. <laughs> he, was, he, he was alive. He really was alive. I'm starting to have a little speech impediment here. Excuse me. God wants to reveal his wisdom to all of those that are in the heavenlies. Verse 11, this was his what? Eternal plan. What does eternal mean? So when did the plan start? Are you starting to catch what I'm trying to say here? Which he carried out through none other than... Where would we be without Jesus? We'd be in trouble. We'd be in a whole heap of trouble. 
As the Apostle Paul explained, the sincere love that God had for us caused him to come up with this plan, and that plan was to give the good news of the gospel to us. Now you see, the Jews, they didn't have all this. They had the first five books that we call the Torah or the law, And then they had the sprinkling of books throughout the histories because they kept really good records. But they didn't get the gospel until Jesus showed up on earth. So we're a lot more blessed, if you will, I believe, than the prehistory, the pre-Jesus people, the Jews, because we've got the whole story. We know what happened at the beginning. We knew what happened at the middle. And now we know what's going to happen in the end. And by the way, we're going to talk more about that after Easter as we begin the study of Revelation. You'll get excited. There's going to be a little poking at you too. Because the Holy Spirit, He does that. You know, if He loves you, He will not leave you sitting there doing nothing. He will not leave you. If you're sinning against him, he's not going to just let you get by week after week after week without, come on, son, come on, daughter. What are you thinking here? I want you in heaven with me. Come on, get rid of that sin. Get real with me. Get right with me, and let's go. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with each one of us. So Jesus brought the good news. Who you were didn't matter. I love this part. God is no respecter of people. Rich or poor, big name or no name at all, we are all a part of the same body. We are all a part of God's family. Now poke your neighbor and say, you're part of my family. Don't poke them too hard, though. And then Paul said, God's purpose was to show those spiritual rulers and authorities of this dark world that God has always had a plan to bring his people hope. And that hope is found, brother and sister, in the church. Why the church? Because we're the hope. And I don't mean literally like our name is, it is the hope, but I'm saying every church that preaches the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is a hope vessel They're ambassadors of hope. Everywhere we go, we should be taking hope with us and giving it out freely. Freely he gave to us. Freely we should give it away. But some of us, what do we do? Hey, this is my hope, man. Don't you be trying to get my hope. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. It's my hope. You get your own hope. No, no. Give it away. Give it away. He doesn't want you to hang on to it. The more you give out, the more he gives in. Hallelujah. The church that he empowered to do good works, to bring salvation to all people of the world, that's the hope through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the hope. His plan. We're supposed to share that good news. Now, in our discussion on why the church, I've tried to show you just how important the local church is, and I hope you're starting to get it. Without the local church, where would we be? Quite frankly, we'd be a mess. 
Because everybody would be doing their own thing. There would be no organization. And that's very important if you want to get something done. I like how uh, the Apostle Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians talked about this. He, he was talking about God's plan in 1 Corinthians 2, 7-9. And he said, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. What's the mystery? His plan that was previously hidden. Even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. When do you make it? Again, this, I am baffled by this. To think that God had all this set up. He knew you were going to be sitting here today. It just blows me away when I start to get the bigger picture that God set these things up. If somebody invited you to come to church, God set that up in the beginning of time. Because why? Because he loves you. You are that important to him. He wants nobody to perish. He wants everybody to come into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Everybody. Hallelujah, yes. So no wisdom that we speak of, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. And this is, of course, talking about Jesus, the plan that he had with Jesus, his son. Verse 8, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. And that's what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I started out with this, do you love him? Do you love God? Because what he's saying right here, you cannot even imagine what he's going to give you when you walk into the pearly gates. Is it all right I call it that? We know the gates are big and they're made out of pearls, so I guess that's where they come up with that. But the fact is, God is going to give us so much. You might be going through struggles here. You might not know where your next meal is going to come from. Don't sweat the small stuff. What's the worst that's going to happen? If you're born again, you're going to go to be with him if you die of starvation. I hope that's not you because we're a family of believers here and you shouldn't be starving. But here's my point. God is going to bless us so richly when we get to heaven. You cannot imagine what he's got in store for us. And it's because of his son, Jesus Christ. So what has God prepared for those who love him? I don't know, but I know this, it's going to be good, all right? The mystery spoken of here is how God is going to bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Scripture shows how God will fulfill his plan using the church. That's you and me, and that includes every believer who calls on the name of the Lord. He's going to use all of us to carry out this plan. I think he would like to use more of us than those who make themselves available to him. So I'm going to sort of switch gears here a little bit, and this is the, the pointing part. The pointing. God's going to point some of you out, not through me necessarily, but he's jabbing you, and he's saying, look, this is you. Let me share, uh, uh, this is... A teachable moment. I learned this years ago. I worked in, at General Motors 
Um, I worked in the engineering facility for many years. And sometimes our equipment would break down. And I'd get so frustrated because I really wanted to keep my, my I had engines that I watched over. I was like the mother hen of engines. And uh, I'd have anywhere from 6 to 12, depending on the room I was in. And they'd all be running, and then one would break down, and I'd realize, ah, oh, I need an electrician. But sometimes you would call for an electrician, and two hours later, they're still not there. So sometimes I would take it on myself to become the electrician, even though I wasn't the electrician. Now, have you ever heard of a union? Back there, it was the UAW, and they frowned on you doing someone else's job. They called it writing you up. And if they caught you, which I didn't get caught very often, if they caught you, they would write you up because you were outside of your job. You went outside of your job description, and they don't like that stuff there. Now, I want to pull this into a spiritual sense. How many would agree with me that God has gifted you with something? Maybe it's a talent. You know, it could be resources. It might be just a, a, a pleasant smile. I don't know what it is, but God's given it to you. The Bible says that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Everybody here has at least one talent. Now, if you are called by God, he loves you, you know that, you love him, hopefully, and you've got these things that God's blessed you with, might be your resources, might be your talent, whatever it is, and you start to use that talent doing something else other than the godly things, would you dare say that you're stepping out of your job description, you're, you're crossing the line, this is another word they use, you're crossing the line of demarcation. Whatever. You're outside your job description. And you're going to get wrote up. All right? Not like the union would do. No. Now, when you're using your resources, God's resources that he's given you for ungodly purpose, ungodly things, when you're not using it to advance the kingdom, you're going to find yourself in a whole bunch of trouble. And if you're wondering, why is all hell breaking against me? Make sure it's not because you're using your godly resources for ungodly gain. I really felt like this was from the Holy Spirit. If the shoe fits, wear it. Well, I had that up there. I should have had that up there. Sorry. Got a little behind here. Whatever we need, whatever we ask for in the name of Jesus will be given to us supernaturally if only we believe. Do you agree? Read this with me. God, Jesus, he said to his followers, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce what? Lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. Are you catching how this is working here? I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that, what? The Father will give you whatever you ask. Now, if you're using your goods for ungodly things, 
Is the Father going to release the blessing? But according to the Word of God, according to Jesus' very own words, if you're using what He's given you for the glory of God, whatever you ask for in His name will be given you. That's good news. I think it is. I think it, we could even get a good clap going right there because that, that's just a good thing. Now hear this. How much ground has the church lost over the years? Let's say over the last few decades, how much ground have we lost? Is there anything that the Lord can't help us achieve in his name? Then why have we lost so much ground? I believe it's because we were either reckless or ignorant. One or the other. Because we've been using our stuff, our talents, our gifts for my glory and not his. And that brings the curse on you. When you use what belongs to God, it brings a curse on you. I don't have time to go into all that today. Just trust me on that one. Either way, whether it was recklessness or ignorance, I believe the church has lost ground. Now, how many believe that God knows what he's doing? He has placed you where you're at today, not by accident, not by chance, but because he has a plan and a purpose for you to fulfill right here in Gaylord, Michigan. Now, if, if, you're, if you're Kevin Smith and you're here today just visiting Okay, it might not apply to you, but you can take this home with you, Kevin, wherever you're at. You in here? Some, ah, there he is. That's Claudia's brother. All the way from the big state of Pennsylvania! In the book of Esther, and I, I thought it was uh, interesting that, that we talked about that. Some, is there a party or something? What's that called? Queen Esther party. Well, what, are the, what a coincidence that uh, what I'm going to talk about right now has to do with that queen, right? Her dad, or he took the place of her dad, his name was Mordecai. Mordecai was an awesome dude, he loved the Lord, and he really helped Queen Esther quite a bit. Uh, it came to a place where the Jews were all going to be killed off because of one of the henchmen in the political party back then. And Esther had an opportunity to clear everything up, but in order to do that, she had to go and talk to the king. Well, she didn't want to do that. And listen to this part. This is uh, in Esther 4.14. It says, If you keep quiet, Mordecai said to Esther, at the, a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise, but from some other place but you and your relatives will die. So in other words, if she doesn't do what God has put her there to do, her relatives, she and her relatives will what? Die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Who? Who? Who knows? Lewis, who knows? If you weren't made 
just such a time as this. I don't know what God has planned for you. You know what? It might be helping to lead the person bagging your groceries to Jesus. It might be your son or daughter's teacher. You might walk in on a conversation and get the opportunity to say, hey, can I pray with you? I believe my God can answer your prayer. I don't know what he's going to do with you, but I know this. He wants to use every single one of us in this room. We, God's church, are being called to show the powers and principalities of this dark world that we are not powerless. Can I hear an amen? amen. Do you believe that we have been empowered? How do I know we have? Because Jesus told us that we were. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To do what? To tell people about Jesus. Andy's going to love it that I didn't just scream that. Because he would have had to have edited that. Now he has to edit my edit. Sorry, Andy. Hey, that's what he gets for going to Florida. I believe God has empowered the church with his spirit to take back the land that was stolen from us. That land we are being challenged to take back includes both physical property, because I do believe it includes our money, it includes the ground that we stand on, but more than that, it includes the rich resources of God found only in the souls of people. Here's where we're going to take a little bit of a turn. Think about this. What does God love the most? What does God love the most? You could say, Father loves the Son, Jesus. But when you read the Bible, what's the whole Bible talking about? Isn't it talking about a relationship between God and his people? You making the connection there? What does God love the most? What does the Bible talk about the most? Put another way, what matters the most to God? I came to this conclusion a long time ago. God's treasures are you and me. You know, when someone takes their own life, they're taking the treasure of God away. happened again not, not too long ago in another small town up here in the north. God be with us, the family. People get to that place where they've lost all hope and they think the only alternative is to end their life without Jesus. God, help us, church, to reach those that need hope that need the love of God shared with them. Because i got to believe in my heart that if somebody had been sided up with that young man a week or two ago, that he'd still be with us today. And it grieves my heart to think somebody died again without Jesus. Where were we, church? Where were we? Hallelujah. So God's treasure is found in us. It's found in the souls of his people. Now Jesus used a parable to show what should be important to you and me. And, and I wanted to share this. Matthew 
13, 44 to 46, real easy to read. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, the man, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, before I read the next verse, what is he talking about? What's the treasure? Anybody? You're not sure. God. The kingdom of God. That's the treasure. When you find it, you should be willing to give everything else up to take hold of it. And if you don't have enough money to buy it right there, then you should sell everything you've got so you got it. He's talking about himself. Do you love God that much? That you'd give everything up for him. The next part, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. He's talking about himself. What are you willing to give up for your relationship with him? Or are you willing to give anything up? See, this is that sacrifice thing I was talking about last week. It's very important that you understand this. Jesus is showing us that when a man gives up everything to attain the kingdom of God, he has done a good thing. Because you're starting to line up with him when you do this. He was also showing us that by going after that treasure or that pearl of great value, by going after God, that will lead the man into a loving relationship with his Lord and will also result, and this is the key, in the saving of his soul. That's what this is all about on this side of heaven. This is the pre-heaven thing. This is where we get to decide, you know what? Do I want to be with Jesus the rest of eternity or not? I said this last week, but it bears witness. Why would any of us want to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven when we don't want to give him the time of day on this side? I can smell the brains burning in here from that one. You're thinking, man, why would I? Hallelujah. Again, what matters most to God? I believe the Bible clearly points this out. It is the souls of men, women, boys, and girls. If that were not true, would our Heavenly Father have sent Jesus to die for our sins? If we didn't mean everything to Him, would He have sent Jesus? I think not. So get this. People, the souls of people, are God's treasures. That means that every unchurched person out there that has not heard the good news about Jesus Christ, they're like that pearl of great value. They're like that treasure that needs to be unearthed. And they're all around us out there. Those people need Jesus. They need his salvation. They need his blood to cleanse them of all their unrighteousness. And if the souls of men are so important to God that he made plans from the very beginning to redeem us from our sins by sending Jesus, then what should be most important to us? I believe we need to invest, and we need to invest heavily in reaching the lost souls. This is what should mean the most to us because it meant the most to him. 
Yet, we walk by these people every day and don't give them a second thought. Maybe some of you do. Some of you are better at it than others. And listen, I'm not trying to beat you up here. I don't think the Holy Spirit is. What he's saying is, start being alert. Start listening to his spirit because he's going to speak to you and say, hey, that one right there needs a hug. That one right there needs some joy. Where's Pastor Barb? The joy giver. You are. I love your smile. And and I've said this before too, but we'll walk through Walmart or Myers or whatever, and I I always let her go ahead of me because that's what I'm supposed to do, but unless I'm in another country. But in this country, though, men let the women go forward ahead because women are important to us. We value women. But when she goes ahead of me, people smile. And I can't see her face, but I know what it looks like. It's not that cheesy. But you get the idea. And I'm behind her, and it's like this. They're they're doing this to her. And then they see me, and it's... I get it all the time. That's her gift. She's a joy giver. I love it. I love you, sweetie. Forty years. Actually, actually, we've been together 41, but who's counting? Hallelujah. We need to invest. I believe the Holy Spirit's trying to get us to see this today. I believe Scripture bears witness to the fact that the local church was created to carry out the Great Commission. To go out to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them all of Jesus' commands, knowing that Jesus is with us, with his church, to the very end of this age. How important are souls to Jesus? Let me quickly cover this. Luke 19.10, the NIV says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Lost souls. That's why he came. Matthew 9, 37 and 38, he told his disciples, the harvest is great. What harvest? Souls. Men, women, boys and girls, people. The harvest is ripe and it's great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of that harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. I pray that right now, Lord. Send workers, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You see the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room, Lord. Call us, challenge us, help us to be courageous and bold, but use us, Lord, and send out the laborers in Jesus' name. What matters to God should also matter to us. Can I get a good amen? But as your pastor, I can't make any of you go after souls for Jesus. I can't make any of you serve the church or sacrifice your time doing the things that are most important to God. But I can try to show you what I've learned over the years. And I can hope and pray that the light will come on inside of your heart today and you'll begin to see the beauty of God's plan for those lost souls. He wants all men to be saved. He wants no one to perish. Recognize that's his plan. He wants to use you to accomplish that. And hear this. We all often think of everybody around us instead of ourselves. You know how easy it is to to poke at your neighbor that they're not doing something right when 
you, you ought to be pointing back at yourself, right? Who is it that said you can point one finger to somebody else, but there are three more pointing back at you? That's how we should be. Take the log out of your own eye before you try taking the sliver out of your neighbor's. You know, we need to do less judging of our neighbor and start really looking at ourselves and saying, what am I doing? What am I not doing? What does God want to do with this man or this woman to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? It takes sacrifice. I I talked about that last week. The Apostle Paul said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What is he doing? He's giving himself to the Lord, and that's what God wants us to do. That's part of picking up your cross and carrying it on a daily basis. What I see God telling us is that nothing can be more important to us than loving and serving him. He created each one of us for a purpose. He saved each one of us from sin and death. We should be supercharged here today. We should be so fired up about what's next. God, what are you going to do today? But instead, we, we worry about getting to the meal this afternoon. Some of you are already, your dinner bells are going off. Man, I hope it's not busy at Applebee's. Hope we get in there at a good time. The ones snicking are the ones that are feeling this. Yeah? You know what I'm saying. He expects, even demands, a return on his investment in us. I want to talk about that and then I'm going to close. It'll be just a minute though before Rachel comes up. I wanted to speak about the talents briefly. And I'm not going to put the scriptures behind me. You can just listen. Parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verse 14. In the NIV it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Each what? All right. So everybody got at least one talent, all right? You're with me. The man who had received the five talents went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Can you see that's kind of what that is right there? After a long time. How long? After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Now Jesus is telling them about what's going to happen in the end. This this whole chapter is talking about end times. When When he returns for his church without spot or wrinkle, without blemish, and he wants his church ready. And this is one of the things that his servants, you and I are servants, that we need to be doing. All right. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Does God expect anything from us? Yes. Why would he settle accounts? If there weren't anything to settle. He's given you something. 
and you need to use it to his glory. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. I want to be that guy. What does master say to that? Well done, good and faithful servant. Say that out loud. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What is he talking about? Heaven. <laughs> Heaven. The judgment of the church is going to be the, the handing out of rewards. All right? What you've done in this life is going to be what's going to determine your bank account in heaven. Hello? I'd rather be a keeper of the latrine in heaven than an owner of a Trump hotel in hell. And there's no comparison there. I just, I, you see so much about Trump today. You get what I'm saying? But if you don't want to be a latrine washer, get busy. Using the gifts and the talents that God has given you, that he's placed in you, the plan and the purpose, discover what it is and figure it out and go after it with the passion that he's placed in you. Because that's what he wants. A similar thing happens to the servant that was given two talents. He invested what the Lord gave him. He doubled the investment, the servant did. And upon the Lord's return, the two talents were rewarded with four. And the Lord said, give it to him. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have made your master happy. Come and enjoy all that I've prepared for you. Man, I want to hear that. But then the parable reveals what happened to the servant who was given the one talent. You could almost hear him saying something like, you know, the Lord only gave me one talent. Gave everybody. He gave that Rachel girl... 16 talents. You see how good she was on that organ? What do I have? I can't even find the one. Why should I waste my time? I'm not going to get anything from it anyway. I may as well just bury it in the hole, wait till he comes back. I'll just give it back to him. Can you hear him saying that? Because that's pretty much probably what happened. And what happens next? The Lord returns, his master. Verses 24 and following. The man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was so afraid I went out here and you tell in the ground. See, here it is. This is what belongs to you. Did, it, did the master go, oh, that's okay. I understand, you poor one-talented servant. That's not what he said. His master replied, verse 26, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and you gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with a banker so that when I returned, I would have at least received interest on it. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten. 
For everyone who has will be given more. He will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is the part that I don't even like reading. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where is that? If you're not in heaven, you're in hell. If you're not in heaven, you're in hell. Wicked and lazy. That servant that was given one tail had every opportunity to double that to two. But he or she chose not to. Hear me this morning. Listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. If you have ears, hear him. I believe that this is the last thing God wants to do with any of his people. I believe that. But I also believe when he invests in us, and he has, he's done it. He's put more in you and me than anyone should have. He expects a return. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are a part of the body of Christ. If you're a part of the body of Christ, then you are expected to use the gifts and the talents that the Lord has invested in you to profit his kingdom, not your own selfish lifestyle. Our mission is to reach the lost souls with the good news of Jesus Christ. This church, Mount Hope Church, is moving in a new direction. It shouldn't have been a new direction, but because we neglected the important things, it is. And I'm just being frank with you today. This is something we should have done 15 years ago when we started this church. But I got off track. I got into the ministry and, and how it looked and yada, 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 yada. It makes God gag. When we lose sight of his priorities, it makes him puke when he sees us. But when we begin to wrestle with the flesh and say, you know what, no more. I'm doing it God's way. I'm a, I'm a kingdom kid He's given me everything I need to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And your job, your challenge may be a little bit smaller than someone else's, but don't ever get your eyes on somebody else. Keep them on your business, what God's called you to do. Don't worry about anyone else. And the church will grow. And God will be happy. And the harvest the harvest that's ready, that's great, that's ripe, it will come in. I look for the day when every seat in this room is filled and then some. It ought to be happening soon. Another brother came last week who I've never met before. Uh, uh, Ken already left, I think. He told me he had to leave early, but it was his brother, and he, he said, the fire of God is about to be released on this church. Two men last week said the very same thing or similar, that the God is going to do something in this church. I didn't know either of those men. God sent them here just to encourage us. As we take this step of faith today, I believe it's the start, it's the beginning of a new chapter for this church.
Jesus said these are the two greatest commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are no greater commands than these. I want to leave you with this. We have to love God first and then our neighbor. When you love God with your all, he can fill you with his love. Then you can give that love to your neighbor. It can't work the other way around. If you really love the Lord, then look for ways to honor him with your life. Do things sacrificially, things that stretch you, take you out of your comfort zone. Exercise your faith and believe God for a bigger harvest of souls. Be praying with us for that. Look for ways to find the things God treasures, the things that God loves. Look for those things and invest in those. Specifically, of course, the souls of men. What can we do to bring more people to Christ and then keep them here? Now, we've already talked about the discipling program, and that's coming soon. I'm not going to talk about that today just to say it's coming. We're working on it. But we need to bring souls into the kingdom. That's our mandate. That's what God told us to do. Let me finish by saying this. None of us is perfect. Right? But too often, we believers allow our failures and our weaknesses to keep us from God's best. He has given us at least one talent, if not more, and our talent should be used to reach the souls of this lost world. But if you don't use what God has given you, then whether it's one, two, or three, or more, these people may end up dying because you didn't do what God called you to do. Now, according to what Mordecai said to Esther, somebody else will do it if you don't, but your family will be cursed. I'd rather get the blessing. That's just me, though. You can pick whatever side you want to pick. I believe Jesus has already given us our marching orders. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I have given you, all my commands. I am with you till the end of the age. Don't sit, don't stand, don't lie. Go. If you don't know how, we'll teach you. We're working on that right now. We had a missionary in here two weeks ago that taught on evangelism. We're going to have another one in April. It's supposed to be this next month, but we're moving it out a little bit. And we'll have to get you that date, Brother Dave, because bump whoever's doing Bible study that night. We need to roll our sleeves up and bring in this harvest for Jesus. Can I get a good amen? If you feel like you're going to give this your best shot, you've prayed about it, you sense the Lord saying it's time. I want to be a part of this wave of God. I want to be a part of his outpouring. Would you stand? Last week I told you I was going to give you an opportunity to make a commitment to him. And what I, what I saw as I was praying about this was this. And first I thought about the wall, and then I thought, nah. <laughs> It'd be permanently embedded in that, baby. 
So I thought, you know what? We can leave this up for however long the Lord wants it up. But in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to pray or actually to pledge yourself to the Lord. I'm assuming you're already born again. We can start with that, all right? But assuming you're born again and you really sense God saying, you know what, son, daughter, come on. I want to use you. Let me. Let me have what I've given you. Give it back to me and I will use you in ways. And when you use what you have, what happens? As you give, so shall you receive. Press down, shaking together. What? Pouring out. Pour, you can't hold it all. That's what happens when you serve God and you give whatever he's given you away. You can't keep it all. I'm going to have you go over after we pledge this little thing I'm going to do here. And then I want you to write your name. There's a bunch of markers over there. Write your name about that big. Are you watching? Larry up here, man. Squirrel. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. About that big. And then under it, date it. And when I say write your name, sign it. This is for God. This is between you and God, but everybody in this church is going to see it. So when you don't show up to do whatever, their name on that? No. <laughs> I don't know. I might end up doing that. Who knows? You might say that about me. Is his name on there? I'll tell you what, I'll be the first one to sign it. I planned on that. So first, every head bowed, eyes closed, quickly. I know we're running out of time. If you're here today and you just haven't taken that step and invited Jesus into your life, I want to give you that opportunity. If you need Jesus today, would you lift your hand so I can see it real quick? Yep. Anybody else? Yep. Yep. Anybody else? All right. Thank you. You can put them down. We're going to pray first for the souls that just raised their hand. And I want to tell you, if you just raised your hand, God loves you so much. If for the only purpose that you got saved today, he had us hold this meeting. You better think like that because that's how God is. He will do whatever it takes to get us saved. And today, this is your day. Your name is going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So let's pray this prayer, and then I'll give you the pledge. Would you pray this with me, saints? Heavenly Father... Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. Today, I put my trust in Jesus. I believe he died for me. Then he was buried, but he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead on the third day. And because of that, he holds the key to death and to hell and he's able to give me life and life abundant I receive that today in Jesus name thank you Lord give the Lord a hand hallelujah if, if you're new to the body if you've not prayed that prayer before or you haven't gotten a booklet if one of the brothers in the back, they'll have a little green booklet. Get that on the way out. The start of something wonderful. Uh, it will challenge you in your new walk with the Lord. Please take one of those. They're free. And uh, I think there's a little card in there that you can fill out if you'd like to. Soon we're going to be 
when we do this, what we just did, when we prayed with these people, we're going to ask them to go with someone and we're going to take them to another room and we're actually going to get them hooked up with another person that will hold them accountable and help them to grow in their faith so that we don't lose them. Because honestly, if you're one of those, there were about four or five hands that went up. I'm not going to point you out, but if, if you were one of those that prayed today, you gotta you got to really fight not going back to that old man, that old life, because Satan wants to destroy you. God wants to give your life. So just keep on uh, praying, keep on reading your Bibles, and you'll do, you'll do good. All right. The pledge. If you're ready for this, I want to say this with you. I'm going to be the first one to sign that over there. I love you, Lord. Let's say this together. I love you, Lord, with all my heart soul, mind, and strength. I believe that you have gifted me with certain abilities, with time, talent, and resources. I pledge to use these abilities, my time, talent, and resources to serve you and your people. And I pray for a renewed passion to reach lost souls and introduce them to you that they too may come to know what it means to be loved by God. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, man, I, I, I feel, I do, I don't usually say this, I feel his presence here today. There's something happening right now in the spirit. The demons are shuddering right now. I'm telling you that. The angels are tooting their horns. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you have to go, if, if you don't feel inclined to sign this pledge wall, you're free to, you're dismissed. But if you do, if you prayed that and between you and God, you meant it, please take the time. There are, I think, nine or ten markers over here. We should be able to get this knocked out before we have to go. Uh, just go over here, and I'm going to start. I'm just going to sign this. And uh, anybody else wants to join me, let's go ahead and Then I'm going to pray. Make it look really pretty, too. Today's the fifth, three, five, 17. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you again for every ministry that's being birthed here today, every passion that you're placing in us. Lord, our destiny, our future, we give it all to you, the very success of this church, Lord. We pray that as we come and go this week, you would lead us to people or lead them to us that need to hear about Jesus, that you'll keep us safe as we come and as we go. Bless our refreshments. We love you. We commit this church and its people into your hands. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. What a great week in Jesus. Please sign that. 
uh, before you leave if you get a chance to. Love you guys. Have a great week. See you next week. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.